I good? Can you hear me? Last week I got in big super trouble. <laughs> wow, you got to remember all these switches and buttons and sheesh, so many things to do. Happy Father's Day, everyone. And I say everyone, you're all sitting here uh, because somehow, way, shape, or form, you, you have a father somewhere or whether he's here on earth or uh, uh, in heaven or... He's somewhere. Um, I want to encourage all the dads out there today. It's, um, your job is not an easy job. Um, it, as head of the household, if we do things the way God wants us to do, there's a huge load on us fathers. So I just want to give you a, a shout out of encouragement. Um, dads, it's not easy doing all these things, especially when it comes into the area of dad jokes. Um, moms can't do dad jokes. I know it for a fact. They just can't do it. So, But I will spare you today uh, the dad jokes. I had uh, so many lined up I could have done. But I will try to spare you from that. Instead, I thought maybe what I would do is share a little bit about me. We're still getting to know each other, right, here at the Journey Church. And so I just thought I'd share a couple things about me. Um... Uh, I had a happy childhood. My dad used to put me in tires and roll me down hills. Those were the good years. I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. I don't, I just don't trust stairs. As a teen, I was addicted to the hokey pokey, but then I turned myself around. <laughs> so no dad jokes today, just a little more about your pastor. So. <laughs> On a serious note, being a good father is hard, uh, but there is fruit, right? Uh, dads, we, there is fruit out there. In fact, Proverbs 17.6 tells us a little bit about that fruit. Um, it says, children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. Guys, if we get this right, if we do uh, fatherhood correctly, uh, then when we are old, our children's children will glory and bring honor to us, and we will be their glory, the scriptures say. So let's survey uh, dads out there. How many of you fathers have gotten it right? <laughs> Yeah, no hands, right? We've all messed this up in one way or another. Do you ever wish there was a way that you could be allowed to have like a new start, a new beginning on this fatherhood thing? Uh, I know I do, and actually one of my sons is here today, and he would tell you uh, my dad messed up a lot. Amen. <laughs> Do, do we have sec security here? Do we have that? <laughs> oh, man. Hecklers. <laughs> well, all of us admit we've made our mistakes. Uh, and you don't have to just be a dad to have made parenting mistakes, life mistakes, and things like this. But at the end of the day, uh, we all wish we could kind of get a reboot, a restart, 
uh, maybe something made new. Well, the Bible says there is a way. In fact, um, God wants you to. So we've been in this um, series about want what God wants. And today we're going to talk a little about how God wants you and I uh, to be a new creation. So let's pray together and uh, just kind of ask the Lord to show us what that is. Lord, thank you. Thank you for fathers. Thank you for being our heavenly father. Lord, we've uh, not always gotten it right here on earth, but when we do go astray, Lord, uh, we know that we should have been more like you. Uh, Lord, we look to you today to guide, to direct. Please, Lord, direct my words. Uh, let them be yours. In there some way, Lord, may uh, somebody be encouraged by um, you today and your word, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we got some verses today. They're probably not unfamiliar to you guys, but at the same time, I thought I would just use them today to encourage us uh, about being a new creation. So 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to start with verse 16 and 17, so if you want to follow along, you can do that by opening your apps, your Bibles, or just looking on the screen, but it says this. Therefore, from now on, we, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So God wants us, wants you, wants me to be a new creation. So the question is, why do we need to be a new creation? I thought I'd start there today. Um, you thought, well, aren't I already a creation? Didn't God already create me? Um, but as God's children, we are expected to obey our, our Heavenly Father, right? Well, like I said, we've messed up along the way, and history tells us that we haven't always done that. Uh, we, there are times when we just choose not to listen to our dad. We choose not to listen to our father. And as a result, we suffer the consequences of our disobedience, right? Well, this all started, this whole mess started back in Genesis, so I thought we'd review that a little bit this morning. Genesis 3, starting verse 22, it says this, Then the Lord said, Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil, and now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of, um, of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. So here we see uh, the first man disobeying the father, his um, heavenly father. What's interesting to me, mankind was sent out of God's presence for the reasons of disobedience, of sin. We know that. Uh, man had made the choice to live for himself. In essence, that's really what Adam did that day. He says, I don't need my heavenly father. I don't need my God. He says, I'm going to run the show myself. I'm going to try this on my own. But uh, there's some pretty harsh words here. It says the use of the words drove out actually imp 
implies that God himself drove man out of his presence. It wasn't like um, man decided, okay, I've had enough of this, Dad, and I'm just out of here. It actually, God says, no, you've disobeyed, and so God drives man out of his presence. And in the process, man no longer walked each day with God in the garden. And think about that. Um, you and I really never experienced walking hand in hand, if you want to say, in the Garden of Eden when all things were good. And we never really did experience that, but yet we can only imagine that. But to be there and to disobey and then be re removed from God's presence must have been quite a thing for Adam and Eve to um, experience and to actually realize what they've done. So when God kicked man out, he, uh, with that removal or driving out, man lost intimacy with God, uh, the direct connection with God. So now God and man were no longer in each other's presence. So why do we need to be a new creation, we ask? Because God's original creation chose to live for itself. And that's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Um, you think, man, how could Adam and Eve ever done that? Uh, but we probably did it three or four times this week, if not more, at least, you know. So what is a new creation? Well, our key verse today has been uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. But both get, um, begin with the word therefore. So... When I first began to learn my Bible and people were showing me how to read it and learn about it and everything, they said, whenever you come across the therefore, you're supposed to see what the therefore is therefore. And so we have a couple of those today in the sense of really to understand the passages that are our key passage today, um, we have to kind of back up a little bit. So let's do that. Let's look at verse 14 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians it says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge this or we realize this or we see this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So the therefore is telling us that... Um, if the Jesus, the one who died, if he died for all, then all died. And so, you know, sometimes the way Paul writes and the way Paul uh, try, he doesn't really always explain himself. It isn't apparent real easily uh, seen. So you got to kind of sit there and think about that. So what he makes us think about is that if Jesus died for all, then all have died. But yet, at the same time, if you think about Adam and Eve, they just got kicked out of the garden. They didn't actually die, did they? They actually were driven out of the garden and not experienced death. But death, maybe the way we think of it, isn't how they died. Genesis 2.16 says, and the Lord uh, commanded the man saying of every tree of every garden you may freely eat so God had given man 
a lot of freedom. He says, you can do whatever you want in the garden. However, but the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall, what? Surely die. So when man disobeyed, right? When Adam disobeyed God, the heavenly father, they died. They died spiritually. They died inside. They lost intimacy with God. The primarily way we think about death is physical death, right? We, that's how we kind of communicate uh, to each other about death. But with, that's not the way that we're talking about here, and this isn't what God really meant when he said you shall surely die. When the Bible speaks about death in this way, it's spiritual death. And how it's explained, pretty much every time you'll see spiritual death in the Bible, and as you read it, and God talks about death, it is when you and I are separated from him. That's death. And the only way that life can happen again is if we get reunited back with him. So we're dead spiritually. And the scary thing about this, every man, woman, and child ever born is dead spiritually, right out of the womb, right out of the gate. So, we need to know, or we need to at least ask ourselves the question, what is a new creation? 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So a new creation is one who realizes they are spiritually dead, they see that, and they also see Christ's death as a sacrificial exchange of life. So what I mean by that is Christ's death of obedience in exchange for the death of the disobedient. Think about that. The obedient one died on behalf of the disobedient one. Um, maybe you've heard it as the great exchange. But that's how we come alive. Spiritually dead people need spiritual CPR. We need to be revived. We need to be brought back from the dead. Then as a result, the ones disobedient should no longer live for themselves, but him who died and rose again. So there's something that should happen with the new creation. We're talking about that today. So how do you become a new creation? You need to be revived spiritually. Something needs to be happen inside of us that um, brings us from death to life. But something should begin to change in us. Um, so how do you know if you're a new creation? So how do you know? Let's kind of go on a little bit of a journey here and just kind of Look at a few things that the Bible says about that. It says in 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So we're told, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We become new creations in Christ. Or let's say it a better Christ in us. Because remember, we're insides are dead. We are spiritually dead. Remember, from birth, we are spiritually dead and we need to be brought back to life. We need to be recreated from the inside out. 
Um, notice that the offer there, you see who the offer is? It's only for people that live in Holly. Or maybe Michigan, maybe we brought it out, or maybe the, only in the United States. That isn't what the offer there, is it? The offer is anyone. If anyone is in Christ. John 6, 63 says this, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. No profit living in the flesh. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. John's gospel uses a similar term when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisee, Nicodemus, you remember this, maybe. John 3, 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. To be in Christ, then, according to these scriptures, is to be reborn. We are a new creation, and that's what Paul uses, new creation. John uh, uses Jesus' word, which says that we need to be born again. I know over the years, born again, especially in the 60s, got kind of a bad rap, didn't it? Um, there was a lot of misuse of that born again term, uh, and we've often sh uh, kind of shied away from it as a church, but the scriptures tell us that we need to be born again. So to be a new creation is synonymous with being born again. In Christ is what Paul says, that we need to be in Christ. It doesn't matter how good we are or how many uh, good deeds we've done, no amount of volunteering here at church or any amount of church attendance, no Bible knowledge or anything can make us a new creation. Only being in Christ can make you a new creation. But once a person becomes a new creation, something changes. That's how we can kind of see or know if we are a new creation. It's not that we've just maybe come forward at a church service and prayed a prayer or that something uh, moved us inside that we should start coming to church or any of these things, but something should change inside of us as a new creation because we're not the old person we used to be, right? Um, all things are become new. So to continue uh, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, let's go on. He says in verse 5 of chapter 3, Jesus answered him, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When we are spiritually dead, it is impossible to see the kingdom. It's impossible. Once you are a new creation, you begin to see the kingdom. And that's the point I want to make here today, that when you become a new creation, you begin to see with spiritual eyes. Your spirit was once dead, it's now been made alive by being in Christ, by being born again, by being a new creation. This is what Paul's getting at in 517. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. 
And uh, if any of you are born again in our new creations, you know that this isn't talking about who you are in the sense of all of a sudden I quit swearing, all of a sudden I quit uh, acting the way I do, I quit lying, I quit cheating, I quit stealing. All, you know that those didn't immediately uh, leave you. So s this has to be talking about something just a little bit different. And Paul says that the way in which we see things, and we'll prove that here in a minute, becomes all brand new. As we begin to see the kingdom for the very first time, it brings about a change in us spiritually. We, start, we, we see things that we never saw before. We start to see God himself in a new way. We, we begin to see and look out over people and see people in a new way. And I believe that's what he's talking about there when he says that all things have become new in the so we see things differently, and the way in which um, we used to see things passes away. Some of the first things, like I said, we see is God's kingdom has a king. You never saw that before, uh, before coming to be a new creation or uh, born again. You, you, knew, you maybe knew about God, but you didn't realize that God had a, a king over his kingdom, who is Jesus. And then you see his kingdom is actually full of people. Sometimes we look at and think about and we kind of, I don't know, probably preconceptions of things in our lives and kingdoms and stuff, but if you look at every kingdom that ever been on earth, earthly kingdoms, um, they always have people in them. If they don't, it's just a king. There's no kingdom. So that's probably one of the first things you begin to see. You probably never saw people as being in God's kingdom uh, the way you do now. As a, as a uh, new creation, a person should see the king who, for who he really is. And as the people that the king gave his life for. So when you see people, you start to see them as other people that the king gave his life for. Puts a whole new perspective on things, doesn't it? That I know that it felt like the day that I got born again, the day that I became a new creation, that I was the only one on the planet. It felt like that, but that's how intimate God can make our relationship. But then as I began to grow and walk in God's kingdom, I began to look around and I, used to, I began to see people and I look at them in such a different way. Um, so remember that thing I told you about, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, we've got to do it again. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 16. It says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So what Paul's really talking about here, he's kind of combating some things that were going on at the time. We had Jew um, looking out and seeing Gentiles being converted, and, he's, and their response to that was there's no way that they could, those lowly Gentiles could ever come to Christ. There's just no way that could happen, those heathen people. And then we saw the Gentiles actually 
uh, kind of going back the same way. Well, look at all these religious dudes. They, there's no way they can really know the one and true God like we have known him because um, they have all these rules and they don't even do them. But what God is telling us here today, I believe, as we begin to see people in a different way, he's telling us to put those old thoughts, who they used to be, who you used to be, and kind of throw them in the trash can, so to speak, and begin to think of them, to think of things in all new ways. Um, it's funny how Paul uses the word regard there. He says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Uh, this word in Greek means to possess information about, to know or to know about or to have knowledge of. So when we regard somebody, we always respond to what we know of them, right? And that is the difficult part about becoming a new creation. We're supposed to throw all that away. All that stuff that we knew about that person in Christ, now we should see them differently. Paul says he uh, once saw Jesus as a radical rabbi from Nazareth uh, that was trying to disrupt Jewish law and tradition. So he, he saw Jesus in this way. And Paul and others persecuted uh, Jesus and his followers accordingly. But once Paul saw Jesus, who he truly was, the Lamb of God who died for the sins of the world, he started seeing with his spiritual eyes for the very first time. He regarded Jesus in a way in the flesh no longer. And I, maybe that was your experience. I know that was my experience. Um, I grew up in a church. My mom uh, took my brother and I to church as young men, little boys, I should say. And uh, we went to church each and every week for the most part. I learned that there was a God. I learned that Jesus uh, was the Son of God. I learned that he died for the sins of the world. But how I regarded him was not in a way that changed my life. I just knew these things about him. However, when I came to know Christ, real, for real, it became my view of Jesus completely changed. My view of God completely changed. I, I saw him for who he really was. And then it slowly started moving into the people thing. Um, it's, once I begin to see the kingdom, I begin to see God's people in his kingdom. Maybe this is the way you became a new creation. Maybe that's how things uh, came about for you. But what I was forced to do during my um, days and still to these days now is that I see people and I'm almost forced in a sense not to see them the way they used to be. In other words, once we are converted, I pray that you don't see me the way I used to be. Um, again, no more comments from my son in the peanut gallery, but he saw me, he saw me as I used to be. And I pray that now, once converted, that he no longer views me in that way. Because in Christ, 
We are a new creation. All things passed away, and behold, all things become new. Um, one of the, this is one of the first signs of knowing Christ if, uh, or as a new creation is that you know Christ, that all things are passed away. Um, I, I have a quote here by Tozer, which I really enjoy. It says, if we believe the New Testament, we must surely believe that the new birth is a major miracle. It, as truly a miracle of God, it was the first creation. For the new birth is actually the creating of another man in the heart where another man had been. And that's what new creation is. It That's exactly what it is. I love that, um, that quote by Tozer. Because the person that we used to be all of a sudden changes. Something is new where the old used to be. Um, this was a problem for a friend of mine. Years ago, I, me and a bunch of buddies used to witness to a, a friend, and he didn't know the Lord, and, and we would try to tell him his need for Christ and that we're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. And, and he says, you mean to tell me um, that an axe murderer, he would make these kind of stories up, he would say, an axe murderer could be put in jail for his crime, and then a chaplain could walk by, hand him a Bible, he could read inside of there that he needed to be uh, forgiven for his sin, and that he could repent for, from his sin, and then all things are become brand new? And I said, yes, because the Bible says if we confess with our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. But my friend could not get over it. It was years before uh, he could really come to the understanding that that person could be transformed into a brand new person. And this is where you and I get into trouble. Um, we often know people that um, we are trying to love on and care for and their lives are far from Christ. But then all of a sudden, something special happens to them. God comes to live inside of them. They are transformed. They are repentant sinners. And now, the problem comes for you and me is that we still see them as that old person. Paul tries to bring us to a place where, no, that is not how we are to view the people that have come to Christ. We are to see them as new creations, new creatures. Isaiah says this, and I often think about this verse when we talk about, you know, it's like we don't forgive people or maybe even ourselves, but God does, and he says that in Isaiah 43, verse 25. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. We are to see all those in Christ, um, who are in Christ, as the all for whom Christ died for. Christ died for all. And that's what Paul's trying to get us to understand as new creations, that, yeah, it's easy for us to see that we're new creations in Christ, right? 
We know that things are going on inside and things are changing and we're seeing the kingdom and we're looking at people different, but it's so difficult so many times for you and I to see others that have come to Christ. And so what really got me thinking, the, the application for me this week was a little abstract from kind of what we're talking about, but I hope you pick up on it, is this idea is regarding others in the flesh. If I'm going to be a new creation, then I can no longer regard others as in the flesh. In other words, how I knew them or how I know them or used to know them before they came to Christ. Um, so I'm going to challenge you the same way. How do you regard others? Is what you know of someone keeping you from sharing the hope of Christ with them? It can be scary sometimes as we go out into our communities and we try to share Christ, but is what you know of them keeping you from sharing Christ with them? That's the first question. You can answer that this week. Second question, is there someone you know that has come to Christ yet because of what you know, you do not see them as a new creation? It's pretty difficult sometimes that the things we know of someone actually can keep us from helping them be a new creation. Um, one of the, I was discussing with Jennifer earlier that um, one of the greatest things to help me get over this was prison ministry. When you walk into a prison, you know, you're kind of your thoughts there of, Everybody in there is kind of like one general. These are some bad dudes that have done some bad stuff and they're serving some time, right? But what's interesting is that there were actually new creations inside of that prison yard. Their circumstances didn't change. They are still going to serve their time. But inside you could be reviewing with these guys of their walk with Christ, you can see that they were new creations from the inside out and they were changed. And they began to see the kingdom. And they began to see people uh, the same. But what is really was a good teaching thing for me over the years of prison and jail ministry was God can change people from the inside out, make them brand new creations. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are become new. And then the second thing I want to challenge you with, you with is the idea, if you are a new cre creation in Christ, do you see yourself that way? Are you a new creation? Do you see yourself as being all brand new from the inside out? Or do you only identify yourself with your past? This is a difficult thing uh, for some of us. We come to know Jesus, and that's how we see ourselves. Often people don't see our old self, but we do. That's all we remember, that's all we see, that's all we kind of live by. And instead of moving on in being the new creations that, that Jesus wants us to be, Things like past relationships, past failures, past temptations, any of these. 
Are they keeping you from being the new creation that God wants you to be? Paul understood this, that if he did not put the past behind him, he could never move forward and be the creation, that the new creation that God wanted him to be. You probably remember these verses, Philippians 3.13. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended or to arrive, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul encouraging us not to look at things, the uh, past things, um, you know, it's from a personal standpoint that hold us back from being a new creation. He also uh, tells us that there is a prize. He's, he's shooting for the goal. And that is the prize of the upward call. God has called us all uh, into new creation for a reason. We have a job to do. We've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. We talked about so many ways that we were to be used by God as a new creation. So as we kind of wrap it up here today and conclude, God wants us to be a new creation. We we studied that, we see that, we can deduct that. How we regard others and ourselves, we determine how we live as new creations. So the question is, are you a new creation? The reminder is that today in Christ is the only way in which we can become a new creation. Does God dwell in you. Romans 8 says this, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. If he does not dwell in you, he wants you to. The question is, will you let him? He wants you to be a new creation and becoming a new creation is fairly simple. Sometimes we think that it's a very difficult task, something that we have to achieve or we have to do. But the simple thing is this, we just need to humble ourselves before a God. Admit that we're sinners. Remember we all, we all said we didn't get the fatherhood thing, the parenting thing right, but there's so many other things that we fall short of God's glory in. So just Humble your heart is all you have to do to become this new creation. Admit that you're a sinner. Let him know you're sorry for your sin and that you want forgiveness. Let him know that you're willing to repent or turn from your sin, walk the other way from it, and just ask him to make you a new creation in Christ. It's that simple. And I know I always offer this to you guys, but... I'll be here afterwards to review that with you, pray that uh, prayer with you, point to, you, to Jesus. There's others here, the elders are here as well to do that. I don't want you to leave any weekend that we gather here together and sit here thinking that um, you are a new creation and you're, you're not really, that you don't, you had never been born again. And some of these questions we've been talking about today, you can ask yourself this week. 
Do you see the kingdom? Do you see the king? And do you see his people? A little bit of word of encouragement at the end of verse 17, Paul uses the word behold. And that's a pretty powerful word. It can be used in a few different ways, but for the most part, it's a word of validation. He says, behold, all things are become brand new. Um, Have all things become new for you? We should be excited about being a new creation in Christ. I know I am. Um, Another quote here is, unlike the first creation where he made uh, the place and afterwards the people to live there, that was the first creation. God created the heavens and the earth and then he made the people to live in it. In the new creation, he is first making the people and afterwards the place where they will live. Of course, this is talking about the new heavens and the new earth. And Isaiah, so many years ago, um, gave us these words of encouragement. He says this in 65:17. For behold, uses the same word, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Isaiah speaks of a time when God makes everything brand new. When a person becomes a new creation in Christ, it's actually the beginning of all things coming brand new. That is words of encouragement for me today is that even though we don't have the new heavens and the new earth yet, God is already making things brand new in you and in me. God has done every single thing possible for you and me to become a new creation. I pray you take him up on his offer if you haven't already done so. Next week, we're going to do a little talk about what it actually means to walk in this world uh, as a new creation. We're going to talk about walking in newness of life and what that, that looks like. So let's pray, and then uh, after I pray, Nick will come up and give us a couple announcements to close, but um, let's just pray. Lord, thank you for not giving up on us, not allowing us just to wander outside of your presence, out of your garden uh, with no hope of ever returning. Lord, you've shown us that the way back is in Christ, or to have him live once again inside of us, to revive our spirits, to give our spirits life. Lord, I pray that if there is someone here today that does not yet know you, that has not experienced the new creation, is not yet born again, that they actually take your offer and um, come to you in humility and confess and be renewed. Lord, I pray that as we look at a couple of our challenge questions this week is how we view people is the way you want us to view people. How we view ourselves as new creations is actually what you want us to see and what you want us to do in response to it. Lord, I just love you. We love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for your son who died for us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much again for being here at Journey Church with us this morning. Again, if you're new here to Journey Church, just encourage you to uh, go to the cafe afterwards and pick up our little gift for you. Take some time to fill out our visitor card so we can send you a letter just thanking you for being a part of our worship this morning. And then also as regular attenders that are here, uh, just to encourage you to uh, continue giving of your tithes and offerings, whether here in person uh, right outside the door at our offering box or online at our online giving as well. And then in honor of Father's Day, uh, if you're a father here this morning, make sure you stop by a, a table. It's right outside here in the foyer and pick up a couple gifts that we have there for you, some gifts and some prayer cards for fathers. And also, don't just pick them up for yourself, but maybe you know a father that you can grab one of those for and give them to. Maybe you're not even a father here today, but you have someone you could pick one of those up and give that to them as well. Um, go ahead and do that as well and encourage somebody today uh, that you may know in your life as a father. So thank you again so much for being here with us this morning at Journey. <laughs>